Well, welcome back to the Physics of Faith podcast. Tommy, this is it. This is this a, is it. We we made it. Chapter five. Chapter five. Uh, and then that's it. That's all you need to know about the Bible, right? That's that's everything. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Just it's all there, James. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, this has been fun though. I've really enjoyed doing this with you, and um, you know, hopefully, what we'll do uh, going forward is we'll we'll pick another book and we'll just continue this train. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we are on to James chapter five. Again, I am reading from the New American Standard Bible. Uh, use whichever version you like. Um, uh, Tommy, you're using NIV, yeah? Yep. Again, stay away from paraphrases. Okay. And maybe the King James is better. Not that it's bad, it's just hard to understand. <laughs> it is a little difficult, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I don't think it's bad. I just, that's my advice for, like, for, new, for new believers. If yeah. you're reading it for the first time, Read something that's a little easier right. to understand. Also, if you haven't watched it, Brandon and I did an episode about um, you know studying God's Word, and we talk a little bit about these translations. Yeah, and I think one of the fears people have with translations, or one of the misconceptions they have with translations, is that oh, it's a translation of a translation of a translation. So, yeah. so you have oh the the Greek into the Latin, and then from the Latin to the New King James, and from the New King James to the yeah. uh, to this version, and then to this version, and then to this version. And that's not the case at all. Yeah, um, These versions are coming from yep. the original Greek. Mm-hmm. So, so don't be afraid of that, but definitely dive deeper. And if you want to learn more about that, go ahead and, and go back and watch that video but or, or listen to that episode. But we're here to talk about James. Yes, James, Speci- chapter 5. Specifically chapter 5. So here we go. Come now, you rich people, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded, and their corrosion will serve as a testimony against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of armies. You have lived for pleasure on the earth and lived luxuriously. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous person. He offers you no resistance. Therefore, be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, against one another, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brothers and sisters of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. But above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you do not fall under judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, 
and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. When, so just just the first thing, I all, around verse 10, I almost lost you because my, that is a lot shorter in my translation than it is in yours. Like I'm like, well, where, where did he go? And then I'm like, oh, there he is. Like, man, there's a, I think your, yeah, your verse 10 and 11 are a lot longer and wordier than the translation that okay. I have. Okay. Well, uh, there might be a reason for that. Um, but, but yeah, so um, one of the things with uh, some of these translations is that they, when they come through, they... When, as they use different words, they become shorter. And yeah. sometimes some manuscripts have aspects that other manuscripts don't, and mm-hmm. then a translation may use that or may not. Yeah. What we have confidence in, though, is that it's the same word. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, and that's the thing that I – look, if God can create the world, I'm pretty sure he can make sure that the Bible is right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah I, I get it. I, but, you know, the skeptic would say – that if he can't get the Bible to be consistent, mm-hmm. then the Bible's what tells you that he created the world. Right. Right? But that's – it's funny. The Bible doesn't even say that the Bible tells you that he's the one who created the world. The Bible tells you that creation testifies that he created the world, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it is interesting. But the at the end of the day, when the scholars look at it, mm-hmm. it's consistent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and we can be, we can uh, know that it's it's really the difference between, you know, if we went out and and we saw the same thing and we described the same thing, we're going to describe it differently. You know? Yeah. All right. So the first thing that I noticed when I was reading this was what you said at the beginning when we started James chapter one is that James just comes out swinging, <laughs> yeah, right? He, does. <laughs> he comes out and he he rebukes those and he uh, he is rebuking the rich and people who prioritize wealth um, over people and mm-hmm. and says that your ruin is upon you and it cries out against you because the people you have taken advantage of have cried out to God and he's hurt them. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things to to notice that that um you know, it's 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 important when you read the Bible to try to understand things from a neutral perspective like mm-hmm. I think this and so I'm going to try to make sure it says that, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, when you think about um what what God says about wealth and what God says about people being rich. Nowhere does it really say that be, having a lot is a bad thing. Be, being wealthy is a hundred is it itself sinful. Uh-huh. But in in this, you you hear you see the reason that God is weeping is telling these people to weep and wail is because of how they accumulated their wealth. You know, yeah. they've hoarded their wealth in the last days. You failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. They're, they they've tr- they've accumulated their wealth in such an evil and sinful way. Mm-hmm. That's that's why their wealth is going to rot because yeah. of, because it was not um, gained or is not earned 
righteously. Right. 100%. And uh, so it's it's interesting though he he does this and he talks about the laborers in the field that had their pay withheld, basically those who've been taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And he then likens that to condemning the righteous, a righteous person to death, a righteous person who offers no resistance, uh, maybe because they they can't offer resistance because they don't have the power to do so. Yeah. Uh, but it also likens, like it reminds me of Jesus and how the world <laughs> put Jesus to death. And he offered no resistance because mm-hmm. he knew that was the, the way he needed to walk. Yeah. Um, but uh, but then he when he gets into seven and twelve he starts talking about being patient and now he's he's gone from hey you wealthy people who have taken advantage of everyone and then he goes and he starts talking about brothers and sisters be patient yeah and starts explaining how farmers are patient mm-hmm. and it's almost as if to say he's speaking to the people who were harvesting and not getting paid yeah you know it's it's this it's that same idea of like those who think that they toil for for nothing mm-hmm. it's like no this is your this is you this is nothing yeah <laughs> and th- this is you enduring yeah as he started with when he talked about count these trials as as pure joy yeah you know uh, he's like you're in a trial you're in a place of hardship but god's already God's already promised that he's coming in judgment and in righteousness he's already at the door he's already like you know, your cries have already reached him and he's yeah. already moving towards you. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that I get about it, you know, rear say, you two be patient and stay in room because the Lord's coming is near. How many thousand years ago was this written? <laughs> and, <laughs> and even then they were saying the Lord's coming is near. Right. Um, and so, but, but I think you're exactly right in that. Um, this is, yeah, persevere because what you're experiencing here is nothing compared to the joy that yeah. you will receive the joy that you'll feel when Jesus comes back and you you are with God in heaven together you're not you're going to completely forget about the trouble you're having now right yeah um and then in our patience he goes back to this we shouldn't complain about each other so he's kind of summarizing a lot of the stuff that he's mm-hmm. already talked about so he's coming back to the don't put each other down don't try to one up each other um and then he he talks about the endurance again and he calls back the fathers of the faith, and he goes back to Job mm-hmm. and talks about uh, how Job was blessed for his endurance, and kind of we saw God restore Job mm-hmm. at the end of the of, of that. Um, and while he he uh, he kind of he he's called out people who are taking advantage um, of them, but he he doesn't tell them to rise up against. Yeah. You know, like one of the things that's you know he. Like, like I said, he's got the rich, and then he's got the the people who've been taking advantage, the people who are who are taking everything, and the people who are doing all the work. Yeah. And you know, the world would tell you you need a revolution. Yeah. And you need to rise up against those, uh, you know, and the the system and the man and the yeah. whatever that's holding you down. Yeah. And James is saying, be patient. Yeah. You know, because it's God. He's already said you're not the judge and the arbiter of justice. Mm-hmm. God is the arbiter of justice. Yeah. He will bring justice. He will pay forward everything that needs to be paid forward. Yeah, you know, it, I think in today's society, we look at things so right and wrong, black mm-hmm. or white, you're wrong or this wrong, you know, things like that, so so hard and fast. But so many times in the Bible, especially here in James, 
there's a lesson for both sides. There's mm-hmm. a lesson for everybody. If if you are, you know, God said, you know, the Bible says to not oppress those, to not, um, you know, bring hardship to other people. And then he also says, be pure, consider it pure joy mm-hmm. when you encounter trials and pers- and you know hardships. Yeah. So there there's a lesson for for both sides of the coin. Right. And I think it's interesting too when we see this, you know, we don't take James teaching and say, okay, so I should just shut up and go about it and trust God. And yeah. that's that's not quite what he's saying either because even in his own actions, mm-hmm. he is saying you shouldn't be taking advantage of these people, yeah. right? It's it's okay to still speak out against injustice and to say that's not. Again, we get back to this concept of judgment and and rightly divining what is good and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. If the Holy Spirit is showing us what is right and what is wrong, it is right for us to share that. Yeah. In fact, if we kind of into the last chapter, like if we don't point to what is right, yeah, knowing that it is what is it is what is right, then we are sinning. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and well, and and yeah, as we said, I think that that last verse, verse seventeen of chapter four, is so much bigger than really what we what we have time to talk about because <laughs> right. yeah, there are a lot of things there. Yeah, um, but then as he as he continues here, he also gives some um, he, he continues to give some practical advice, and he talks about oaths and uh, you know when he says you know do not swear, um, you know he's not talking about using swear words, mm-hmm. um, although. You should rethink it if you're if you're swearing a lot, but yeah. <laughs> but he he says don't make oaths because when you like if you make this um, show of making an oath about doing what is right, yeah, you're kind of you're doing what Jesus talked about with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You're getting your reward in that recognition yeah. for having made the grand oath. Yeah, right. Um, in fact, I think it's kind of like so I. I've tried to dabble in writing, fictional writing. Okay. Okay. And I've noticed this, and this has come up in conversations with other writers and at different conferences and things, is that when um, when you have an idea, like you go when you go tell someone that idea and and you get the payoff mm-hmm. of having <laughs> shared it, yeah. it becomes that much harder to go sit down and write it. Because you already got the payoff of yeah. like sharing the story with someone and seeing their reaction to it, right? Sure. And like, while you may have been looking for affirmation of me, oh yeah, I want to go write this story, but you, you kind of, you kind of already did it now. Yeah. And so now become now you got to sit down and, and work through it. <laughs> Come up with something you know? else. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's a similar thing here is how when he talks about these oaths is you get the you get the joy of the recognition, yeah, of being an oath taker. Yeah. You know, but. Like when you set yourself up like that, you're really setting yourself up to be an oath breaker, yeah. and uh, you know because you've put your um, you, you've really put your eggs in this basket of look at me. Yeah, you know, and the, when I when I visualize you know kind of what he's describing here, somebody saying, you know, said let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't like if you're if you're telling someone I will, I don't know, cut your grass. And you have to say it's like I I will cut your gas. I swear. I promise. I'm going to do this. I promise you. I'm not, it's I will make sure it is done. That I'm going to cut your grass. The problem. The reason they're probably saying that is probably the, the in my head. One of the reasons is like they've said they would cut their grass before uh-huh. and they didn't. Right. And so they're like, no, this time it will be this. I promise. You know. Yeah. And so 
it it really comes down to a uh, a situation of just integrity, right? And um, you know, just just having being believed that like if you say yes, it's yes, and if you say no. It's no. And and so yeah. you don't have to say other things to get people to believe you. you know? Right. Well, another reason why people will do that is because they want you to know how important that they think it is. Sure. They want yeah. you to think that, hey, I'm in, uh, I believe this is really important. Yeah. Doesn't this take us right back to faith and works? Mm-hmm. Right, like if it's if you believe it, you will do it. If it's true, then you will do it, and you only need say yes or no. Yeah, right. Let your actions speak for you. Don't put, take ten words when you need one word. Yeah, right. You need one word, and then you need but act. Yeah. You don't need to make this. I promise you, Tommy, I'm going to get it done. Yeah, you know that's not that's it's that's double mindedness. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 seeking the you're seeking the recognition before you've even done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get down here into uh, verses 13 and uh, 13 through 18, and we're, we're seeing James is kind of pointing out that we should work together as the body of Christ to help each other um, as we work through sanctification together. And, and we're seeing some examples here. He starts off with, like, are you sick? Um, you know, then pray. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's a, if, if you believe, then there should be a following, right? There should be something yeah. that you do. So when there's suffering, you should pray. When you're sick, you should have the elders pray for you and anoint you with oil. Um, if you are sinning, you should confess so that you can be forgiven. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, it, it, here he talks about confessing to each other and praying for each other so that we might be made whole. And like, I'm not advocating confessionals. Yeah. Right. But I understand why they're there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And unfortunately, I think for some people, that becomes a way to unload a burden. Oh, I've confessed. Yeah. I've spoken it, but you still have your actions still have to align with it. Right. Yeah. And what James is saying is you should be confessing to each other, not to someone faceless and nameless. Exactly. Who, uh, but to somebody who will hold you accountable. Yeah. And help you to achieve what you want to achieve in Christ as you work through sanctification. Yeah, if you if you lied to somebody or you cheated them out of something or if you wronged somebody in some way and then you go tell somebody that you don't even see is like I wronged this person. Right. Are you really are you really you're not seeking forgiveness. Right. You know, the, the, you're you're not you're not are you not asking for forgiveness right. because you're you're not really Coming to the person that you wronged, you're looking for absolvement. Yeah, you know, it's like if I if I did something wrong by you and you came to me and said, "Tim, why did you do that?" I was like, "Well, I said I was sorry." Yeah, you know, why well, I, I confessed that sin, so you should let it go. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know why, but this reminds me of this scene in the movie "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou," which is sure. one of my favorite films of all time, where they yeah. go and they get baptized and they're driving away, and the and the guy is is like. He's like, the, the preacher told me that I've been forgiven for my sins, so that, that piggly wiggly I knocked up, <laughs> I've been forgiven for that. And he says, well, I thought you said you didn't do that. And he says, well, I lied. I've been forgiven for that too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, of course, the, of course the, the catch at the end of that, he goes, well, I don't think the state of Mississippi sees it the same way. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted absolvement without accountability for yeah, my actions. Without really taking the, the steps to, yeah, you, yeah. you've said it perfectly. 
Yeah. All right. And I also think that's another, um, you know, another uh, rebuke is not the right word, but you know, if some people say, you know, my my faith is is personal to me. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't, you know, but it, it, we, we're called to, you know, we are called to be together. You know, we are called to confess your sins to each other. We yeah. are called to pray with each other. And I think that that, um, you know, the, 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 you know, I mean, there are several places also place in the Bible where we are called one body. And this just is just another example of how we are to live lives together. Right. Again, it doesn't have to be in a specific type of tradition, but it needs to be a believing community. Sure. You know, otherwise there are no elders to lay their hands upon you. Yeah. You know, um, and then you are, it's, it's just you and God. And here's the thing we, Brandon and I talked about this when we talked about, um, you know, reading the Bible, we, we said, um, you know, the Bible is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so if like you're on, if you're on a deserted island and you have the Bible, that's good enough, right? Yeah. To understand what God's saying, but you're not. So you should dig deeper and you should, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? And I think that's like, yes, you and Jesus is enough. Yeah. But uh, if you are on a deserted island, you and Jesus would be enough, but you're not. Yeah. Find a group of believers. That's why you're doing this with me and I'm not doing it alone. Yeah. Right? Because it, it would be one thing for me to sit here and explain to everybody what I think James is. Yeah. But it, it's so much better for people to then said w- witness how you and I discuss James together. Right. Because this is us being iron that sharpens iron. Yeah. Yeah. It is no coincidence that, you know, through through the the pandemic – that at the same time we are we were all told to separate to social distance to quarantine right. that the collective mental health of our country went in the toilet at the same time you right. know you know when god when god created adam and eve he said well, creative eve says it is not good for man to be alone now right. in that situation he's really talking more about you know the one man to be the only one right. but i do think that there is some wisdom and some truth into that it is not good for anyone to be alone if for any man or woman to be alone you are meant right. we are meant to be together we're meant to be together and we are meant to encourage each other to develop families to be fruitful and multiply both yeah. both physically and spiritually yeah right the the i mean shoot look at look at the the great Look at the great commandment, or was it the great commission? Go great. therefore and make disciples. disciples. You know, yeah. if you're if you're alone, you can't, you can't make disciples if you don't see other people. Yeah, or be with other people. Right. So then, uh, as he continues this conversation, he he starts talking about how uh, how we should pray, and and he says this. Uh, let me find it here. This is in verse verse 16. He says, Therefore confess your sins to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And then he says, A prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. And uh, and I think this is really this is a really good thing is um, the prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. I, I've always loved this verse, but one of the things that it does is it puts a qualifier mm-hmm. on like – your prayers, like okay, but are you righteous enough? Yeah, and I think if we if we look at this the wrong way, we can really put ourselves into places of guilt and doubt. Mm-hmm. Of like, well, I prayed for this, but it, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. Yeah, therefore I did something wrong, and I was unrighteous. And I didn't. And and here's the thing, James does talk about this where he says if you pray from the wrong motive. 
yeah. you're not going to see it, right? Um, and you're not going to have what you ask for because you're praying out of the wrong place. You're not, you're not, you're praying out of selfishness, not out of uh, glory to God. Yeah. So there's there's a level of truth to that, but we have to remember that, you know, there is no one good but God. Mm-hmm. Our righteousness is only found in Christ Jesus, you know. And he continues this conversation by bringing in Elijah, and he says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And, like, when you think of Elijah, you think of this, like, Elijah's this great prophet and right. and character in the Bible and person who did all these great things in God's name. And James is saying, you are the same. Yeah. You, there's nothing that he did that you were not, that God couldn't use you to do. Yeah. Now, the key there is... what what does God have for you to do? Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that you should go out and start praying for drought, <laughs> yeah. you know, unless that was what God commanded you to do. Now yeah. we can have a long discussion about whether or not that's what God's telling you to do. Yeah. But um, the point is that, you know, we talk about when we, James actually, when he talks about righteousness, mm-hmm. he, he mentioned, he's already talked about righteousness with Abraham. Mm-hmm. It's like it, your, your faith, which is the, to do the works of Christ out of your belief in Christ is what is credited to you as righteousness. That's how it worked for Abraham. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, and he goes on in the next verse there, he says, he prayed earnestly that Uh it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain, you know, so. Right. And, and that's the thing. He did this all at the behest of, of God. God told him to do that. Yeah. And he told him when it was time to pray again. Yeah. You know, so it's in that obedience and, and that trusting of God that we find that righteousness and that justification. And that's when our prayers accomplish much is when we're praying within the will of God. Yeah. And it was, it was for rain. It was it's something, something that's necessary. Right. And when it stopped the rain, it was about showing who God was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so then we hit verses 19 through 20, and this is where he ends, and kind of ends abruptly here, which is so like James. Just, it just <laughs> He ends just as abrupt as he, as he starts, right? Yeah. Um, so he, he talks about um, if you turn someone away from sin, you have uh, saved them essentially from, uh, from death. Um, and so he gets here. We just talked about um, confessing sin— to each other and supporting each other. And we've talked about loving our neighbors through this whole thing, And we, but we've also mentioned that we know that love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it is patient and is kind. And so, like, even as we say, like, do not judge each other, do not condemn each other, at the same time, um, he says here, if someone strays from the truth, we should want to turn them back. We should want to bring them back to the truth yeah. because that is love. That is what God has for that person, and we want them to be there. Um, the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death. Yeah, I mean, I think that – and that it, – it's just another reminder of how how much God loves each individual person. And, uh-huh. and I mean, you, you look back at the the parable of the, the lost talent. If – if God loses, if, if a shepherd has 99 sheep mm-hmm. and he loses one, he's going to leave the 99 to go find the one. Even right. God, God himself will leave the 99 and go find. He will cr- kneel and crawl on the fo- floor to find one golden coin Yeah, because it's that important. One, li- his, Your life is that important to God that he will search you for you that hard. Yeah. And 
that that is how important we are to be to each other. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you know, you, as you were saying that, it reminded me of when the the religious asked Jesus, "Why are you going to eat with them? Why are you going to spend time with the sinners?" Yeah, you know, like you should be with the flock. Yeah, and he was like, "It, it well." <laughs> The, the flock is fine. The flock's right. where it's supposed to be. Yeah. I'm going to those who need to be brought back. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah. Man. What do you think? I think it's, I, you know, I, I, I've i never really d- dove into uh, to James as, as much as this, I, I, but I get, you know, you said this is one of your favorite books of the Bible, and, and I definitely, uh, looking looking deeper at it, I, you see so many um you know, so many things that you don't see before and you, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's just a constant reminder of, of just how, how much God loves us and how simple it is, but also how hard it is at the same time. Yeah. How God, <laughs> Jesus asks for so little, right? just, but. Yet, yet everything. Yet everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I think that the and I think we kind of maybe said this in the the in the first in the first episode in the first episode when we talked about the first chapter is one of the big things of this is just Jesus turned everything on its head. Yeah. It just just okay. It is it is following Christ is completely different from the way you were living before. It's the exact opposite. The the rich shall be poor and the poor shall be rich. You know, mm-hmm. you've you've all of these things that you thought you knew uh is different now. And and how how we are to leave lead lives that are so unique, um unworldly, um and uh and yeah, it's a it's a great reminder. It is. Yeah, we should be called apart. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I'm really glad that we've we've done this, you know as you brought up reading James again, it brings so much new life to something that we've already read yeah. several times on our own before. But like it, every time there's this freshness, there's this renewal. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to this idea of renewing of the mind. Yeah. Uh, because the, the word of God is alive and it's active. Mm-hmm. Right. And it always can speak into our hearts. And it, I think it was going to be um, hypocritical uh, of this particular podcast sure. to say that you should read the Bible and study the Bible. <laughs> and never actually talk about And then that. not actually do it, right? Um, so I'm really glad we got to do this. And, you know, this is going to continue. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this in episode one, but uh, the, the method of Physics of Faith podcast is that, you know, we'll have a topical episode, which is a longer episode, and then we'll have a Bible study episode yeah. the week after, which is that shorter kind of kind of leapfrogging each other. Yeah, and and I think that that the importance of both is there because you know, you think about the the Ethiopian eunuch. Well, yes, it, it's here, but how can I understand it if nobody explains it to me? And right. you know, you're you're talking about books that were written thousands of years ago right. in another language in another part of the world. Yeah. Now, they are still relevant, yes. but sometimes it it it's hard to see how this applies when we have Cell phones and cars, and you know, I mean, yeah. you're 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 reading to you're talking to a, a a group of people that walked everywhere, and I mean, it was just it's just different, well, and so it, how it applies today, um, it is still obviously true and relevant. It just sometimes it, it takes a little bit more of of okay, what what does that look like? Right. 
And the other, the, another thing you talked about the the importance of of scripture. You know, Brandon kind of tries when when he does sermon series, he kind of goes. He, he's he's talked to me a little bit about this. He kind of goes back and forth and like, okay, he'll have one sermon series that's really more more topical, mm-hmm. and then he does another one that's straight out of the Bible. Like, okay, we're gonna yeah. read Job, or we're gonna read Jonah, or we're gonna read you know this, you know, yeah, and um, and he says. He he's he is surprised how often the ones where he just he just opens the word of God and preaches from that word, people love that more than the other ones, you know. And yeah, I, but I think people are more tempted to, if they're going to speak, they're going to speak topically. Yes, uh, yeah, you know, because it's it's one thing to take a topic and then try to apply the word to the topic. Yeah, but sometimes when we do that, we run the risk of making it say what we want it to say. Yeah. But when we read the scripture, mm-hmm. it tells us what it says. Yeah. And then we apply that to the topics of our lives. You right. know, and you mentioned too, you were talking about how we live in this world with all of these resources and these technologies and we've got our cell phones, we've got all this stuff. And it, mm-hmm. it was really making me kind of think like, it's it's funny how how challenging it can be to go deeper with the Bible, yet how easy it is. Yeah. Like, it's easier now than it ever was. But as a as a um, as a people, yeah, we don't want to, and we see it as difficult. But you know what? Maybe it's a maybe it's a, a trial for you to jump in and go deeper. Yeah, we'll count that as all joy. Count that as pure there you joy. Go. <laughs> you know, there you go. Yeah, great. All right. Any last thoughts before we sign out? I'm looking forward to the next one. All right, Tommy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.